the nation. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alert! Alert! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rage and Review podcast, a special edition, homecoming edition of the podcast for the very first time live in living color. Nick Doming, Jerry Bear, and myself under the same roof recording the content for the masses. Boys, glad you can join me in the home of the ambassador. How are things? Don't forget, man, big cat. Big Cat's a dude, right? Big Cat's also here joining us, so we can't we can't forget him, right? The ambassador. Uh, the very first thing we're going to do is I'm going to do some self-serving announcements, uh, a soccer update for the people that are keeping track. Uh, the Rainbow Mermaids, unfortunately, for, they suffered their first defeat of the season, unfortunately fell 6-3 to three to a very mean team with a mean coach that did not take out their best player, but I digress. Uh, we fell 6-3, to three, but we did play well in the second half. Um, I, that's all I'm going to say about that. But look, we're going to rebound. Even the Patriots lost games, right? So Rainbow Mermaids, look out. The second coming of it, the Fury is going to come out on Saturday. We're going to we're going to do it. Nick's got a comment. Nick, what you got? Yeah, I just want to say I heard that you also sent out a very motivational post game email to uh, to the families. So, you know, it's a little lost, a little setback, but you got it, man. I do get passionate about my job as the coach and uh you know you want to get the girls in position to win and when you don't go one and oh on the week you feel bad you you, you take it in uh i'm going to do some self-reflection i look in the mirror you know i give myself uh, uh my own critique uh but at the end of the day you lose you knew you, you didn't come out victorious and that's on me that's on the coaches so we're gonna have the girls ready to play uh the youngers the uh the boys teams the u4 boys uh, well i think it's u5 actually uh we came out victorious after falling down three to one in the first quarter Against a team that really didn't, they didn't respect the game. Etiquette was not there. They were being very rough on the pitch, pulling our guys down. The enforcer got knocked out early. He was not there for us. So we had to really dig deep. We had a gutsy performance in the second half, came out victorious six to four, six to four for the boys. So the hot boys came out, played well, got the victory three and zero on the season. Very proud of the boys. I see Nick uh, over there with his hand up. I'm just saying cheers to that, man. At least we got somebody winning <laughs> winning games right now. So cheers to the boys. Got a, shout, got a shout out to the local teams that are getting it done. Jerry, go ahead. Ah, that's fantastic. I, I, I'm picturing you being a coach, giving a pep talk to your team. And just uh, whether it's pregame, halftime, what's going through What's going through your mind? What do they, they, they call you, Coach Coach Jag, Coach Coach Matt, Coach Man About Town? What What is your... It's Coach Jag. It's Coach Jag. We settled on that because, you know, makes it a little easier for everybody. But, you know, what I do is I grab the guys or I grab the girls and put them in a circle and I'll say, hey, what are we doing well? I'll see what they say. 
And I'll say, what can we do better? See what they say. And then I'll bribe them with snow cones. And that's really the key to coaching at this level, folks. It's really not that difficult. Jerry, you've got a young one. As soon as she gets into a competitive environment, maybe it's soccer, maybe it's softball, whatever the case, always remember, the snow cone wins, it rules the day. (laughs) If that's what it takes to work and make them play harder, then yeah, by all means, give them the snow cone. You see where I'm from, we say snowball, but that's a whole other debate, but... This is this is going to be one of those debates. I think we had it a couple of years ago with the baseball team. It's snow cone or snowball. It, that's the debate. Is it? We got to do a poll on this. Man, I, I say snow cone. That's just me. Snow cone from back in the day because I think they had Cajun cone and Scott ball. It burned down, but Cajun cone and Scott was a cone, so we always went with snow cone. Well, sure. the, the thing about the snow cone is the snow cone has a little more, it's more of a grainier ice that where the snowball is a softer ice. If you go to New Orleans or Cajun snow, right? I think a snowball has like a more of a smoother ice. So of course I'm going to go with snowball. I think that isn't the snow, the snowball, the, the New Orleans style snowball. Is it more, I think it's more Italian ice, isn't it? Isn't, isn't that correct? Not really. I mean, it's it's like a it's it's like a snow cone except just softer ice. I mean, it's the same type of flavors. It's the same mixture of, you know, flavors and ice cream or whatever you want to put in there. It's just a it's just a softer, finer ice. I, I, that that's really the big difference to me. Um, so when people are like, well, a snow cone. When I think of snow cone, I think of like it's that hard ice. It's like, I don't know, like it's it's grainier. You know, you can. It's not as mashy, I guess, you know? The debate rages on. Luckily, we're not here to talk about that because that was not on the rundown. And truthfully, there is no rundown today because this is a special homecoming edition. We kind of just got together, had a couple of drinks at lunch, and decided to record. So this is where we're at. Um, not really sure where we're going to start, but we, we agreed that there would be a conversation today. And that's really kind of where we're coming to you from. There's a lot that, we can, be, that can be talked about I guess I'll just start from somewhere in the abyss of my brain. There's so many things that are being kind of debated among Cajun Nation right now. I think that we should probably start with the fact that it's homecoming and that it's an important time for our program, regardless of the negatives. Uh, It's a gorgeous week. It's a gorgeous weekend. It's a great time to be a Cajuns fan. We have a 4 o'clock homecoming game against South Alabama, which is probably the class of the West, maybe outside of Troy right now. It's a good opportunity to write to ship. Uh, it's a good opportunity to turn out fans. So we're going to see what the community really is all about when it comes to supporting Raging Cajun athletics. You know, we just had uh, Michael Desarmo, or Desermo's birthday yesterday. So uh, happy birthday to Coach. Uh, but it's, it's a good time to kind of celebrate who we are, and that's what homecoming's all about. And I guess we'll start with this. I think this is an important question, and I've always wanted to ask this question to somebody that's closer to the program, but I think that you and I and, and, and Nick can kind of, kind of break it down. When I never understood the importance of what homecoming meant until I moved away from Lafayette. And when I was living in Colorado in Fort Collins and I, I got to come back for homecoming, I had been removed uh, for so long from this environment that when you come back to the culture and the smells and the sights and the sounds, it really means a whole bunch. So first, I'm going to kick it to Nick because Nick's been living in Houston for quite a few years. And I, I, I guess my first question is, Nick, when you come back and you see uh, the excitement for football and maybe not this year because, you know, things hasn't, haven't been great. But when you come back to town, you come back to your alma mater and you, you come back to your people. Right. What is it? What does homecoming mean to you when you step foot back in Lafayette? 
Well, first, I don't even think it's a homecoming thing. I mean, every time I come home, it feels that way because, and I, I've always told people, I encourage you to move away for a little bit. Get away from here, whether it's six months, a year, two years, five years. If you have the opportunity, get out, see the world, see other perspectives. And when you come back, you're going to appreciate what you have here. Because being here, and, and I lived in Baton Rouge, God help me, for like 10 years before moving to Houston. But I was always able to make that quick drive home on weekends and, and to do these things. And it was really easy. But when you move away three and a half hours, that becomes a different animal. You can't drive home every weekend. So when you come home and you pass by Old Time Grocery and you see a sign that says fresh boudin and you have fresh French bread being cooked at, at a local store, all of those things mean so much more to you when you don't have it at your disposal every day of the week. And so homecoming for me is like that. It's, it's seeing the people. I mean, I've already been here for 48 hours and have seen people I haven't seen in years and talked to them. And they're talking about going tailgate tomorrow and they're excited about going to the game. And you know what they never bring up? Not one, one of those people have brought up to me, man, you saw their record. You saw how bad they've been. Nobody has said that. Everybody is excited to go tailgate. It's an event. And that's what we need more of our games to be an event, not just a game. So that's encouraging to me. And again, being an outsider, coming back, seeing people I haven't seen in years, people coming in from Atlanta and different areas, it's a totally different vibe. And, and it's really cool. And I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. I get to cook a big gumbo for a bunch of people tomorrow. So I hope I don't screw that up. But other than that, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing everybody out there tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, homecoming to Nick's point, there's a lot of events that surround this week. Uh, you know, Alumni Association has put together a bunch of events. The university has put together a bunch of events. You had uh, you had Yell Like Hell last night on campus by the Union where all the uh, Greeks and student body got together and, and had a, a pep rally. Um, that, that's been something that's, I think that's the importance of homecoming week are the events that surround it. And not only the events that surround it, but you feel that school spirit, you feel that sense of pride in the community. You know, the town gets involved, Lafayette gets involved, whether it's through media, whether it's through advertisements, whether it's just through the awareness that there's events surrounding it. And not only the events are surrounding it, but everybody's included in that. There's a lot of inclusion with the local people to go to the homecoming parade, go to the go to the game, go tailgate, go to go to all these different events. And so to me, that's very important. And really, to be honest with you, I, I kind of wish every home game had that vibe. I think what makes it so great is that you feel like you not only are and again, you're not only are you included, but you just feel a sense of pride in your school. You feel a sense of pride in your community. And it's really something very special. Um, I, I really enjoy homecoming week because for us, especially for my wife and I, we do have friends that come from out of town. We do have people we see that want to come to the game that we haven't seen in a long time. And especially this weather, knock on wood, but this weather is beautiful. I mean, you couldn't ask for better weather. It, it, to me, it's like, a, it's like a rejuvenation of what we've seen over the last few weeks on the football field. This is an opportunity for the fans to still get together in spite of what's happened over, happened over the last few weeks, but also just kind of enjoy yourself, not worry about that as much. Of course, we're going to talk about the game pretty soon, but you just you just really kind of revel in just being being proud of being a Cajun, you know, and that that's what's that or, or a raging Cajun, and that's what's really special about it. So, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the the atmosphere, the parades, the and, and everything surrounding it. So we'll go back to what you were talking about. Uh, we'll go back to what you were talking about with the with the pride and the raging Cajun pride and et cetera. Josh and I. Or, or actually, Josh made a comment when we were driving back from the restaurant. We're right off of Johnson Street, 
we're a couple blocks from campus, and there's not one thing that says, happy homecoming, Raging Cajuns. There's not one Raging Cajuns flag out. I drove through campus. I think I saw one one sign or something alluding to that it was homecoming at the Alumni Center, but that was it. And so so while there's all this good going on, and I don't want to take take from the fact that I know a lot of people are going to be there and go to it, as an outsider perspective, like you asked for me, Josh, coming in from Houston, just looking at, at the cover of the book, there's no excitement. There's nothing going on in the city this weekend. It's just a normal Lafayette weekend. So that I was a little bit disappointed about. And we used to have, I think, on Ambassador Caffrey, I think on the light poles, they had these Raging Cajun or University of Louisiana Lafayette signs or flags or whatever. That's not there. So it's that we got to do better, I think, in that regard. Again, we're gonna. I think we're gonna have a really good crowd from what the people I've spoken to. I think I'm gonna see a lot of people that that we didn't see. But again, it's it's we got to take advantage of the opportunities that we're given, and this is a big opportunity to really rally the troops for this football team that's struggling a little bit, and we're missing the mark because there's no there's no push it seems from the university publicly a couple blocks or even on campus promoting this event this weekend. I think the big thing that people are worried about at this point is that. The record impacts the crowd. And Jerry and I have talked about this at length. I don't necessarily think that the homecoming game impacts the crowd because they have found a way to market it as an event, as most schools have. If we could find a way to make an event out of every home game, and to Jerry's point, make it a theme, whether it be a festival theme, it doesn't matter what the theme is, but if you can make every home game an event, you can have an expected crowd that's far beyond what we're doing right now. I think homecoming is a great example of that. If people are coming to homecoming because it's it's an opportunity to come back to Lafayette, a ton of former players that we talked to are going to be here this weekend. Uh, some of them are going to be at our tailgate because this is what they look forward to. I mean, when you go to UL and you experience the ups and the downs, I'm talking about on the battlefield, which is the gridiron or the baseball field or the basketball court. That's what I'm talking about. When you When you have entrenched yourself into those battles and you have gone through those those memories with your brothers, whether it be students, fellow students, whether it be teammates, whatever the case. That's what homecoming is all about to me uh, personally, but I think also that athletes share that that idea. I can't tell you the amount of people that have, you know, private messaged the, the podcast and said, hey, we're going to be in town or sent messages to me personally. Hey, we're going to be in town. Where are you guys going to be? It's all about that camaraderie. It's all about connecting with those people and remembering those great times as athletes, as students, as people, as people. And that's what we do the best in Lafayette, Louisiana. We take care of people. We have a good time. We throw a party. We have, we have amazing memories. That's what it's all about to me, Jerry. You know, I remember, I believe, I want to say it was, um, I don't know if it was Southern or Jackson state. I know they play that game in Jackson, Mississippi every year. I, I forgot it was, it was, it was there were a, sw- a bunch of swag schools. I forgot which which game it was, but there was one one time I was talking to somebody who was associated with Southern, and they were playing a team. I don't know if it was like I said, it was Jackson State or somebody, and it was on the road. And I just remember them saying like, you know, Jaguar Nation. They're well known. A lot of swag schools or HBCUs are well known to travel rather than go to. Then go to their own home games. There's right. more people that go on the road and they got strong alumni bases. They've got loyal fan bases and there's a sense of pride in those schools. So they'll go and not only do they travel, they bring their RVs, they bring their campers and they have, they, they create this event outside of the game. So on a Friday night, they'll get, 
these, this fan base together outside the stadium. They'll barbecue. They'll have a party. And sometimes they may have a concert. Uh, maybe, maybe, it, maybe some musical artist that may be in town or someone on the scene that, that would perform. And you're creating this event. And so by the time the game rolls around, and of course you got to add the marching bands, but by the time the game rolls around, the football game is secondary. I mean, nothing against SWAC schools, but the quality of football is not quite up to par with a P5 or even at our level for the most part. But there's still a lot of people that go to the game because of the event that surrounds it, which makes the games, the atmosphere unfathomable and, and, and unmatchable. And you see what they do at halftime with the battle of the bands and all of this great camaraderie that surrounds the game. But by the time they're done, like by the time the game starts, the game's almost secondary because of what was surrounding it. And that's, I'm not saying that for us, but I'm saying like if you could create an atmosphere outside of this, of Cajun Field, if you could create an atmosphere in the community that gets the community involved, every every Saturday could be electric there. And that that's one thing I think we do well with homecoming. But like you said to your point, let's make this something every weekend, every game. There's no reason with the culture we have we, we make every excuse in the book to, to grab a bunch of beers, cook gumbo, cook, have a crawfish boil and party. Why not use that as a catalyst for Cajuns games? And here's my question building off of that. I expect, I think, I believe tomorrow's going to be electric and tailgating. It's going to be fun. There'll be a lot of people. The weather's going to be perfect. There's not a school 60, down, 60 miles down the road competing against us for, for views. So I think we're going to have a good crowd. My question is, what are we as a program going to do with that? What are we going to do with it? Are we just going to say, oh, thanks for coming by? Or are we going to try to make any, to capitalize on this in any way, shape, or form? Unfortunately, I think it's going to be the form. I think it's going to be, no, we're not going to try to do anything differently. But this is your opportunity. These are the opportunities that we talk about all the time. You get people here, but you can't just say, oh, thanks for coming by. See you next year. Capitalize on it. Have some. Have somebody out there. Have RCF, RCAF representatives out there handing out koozies, asking people to sign up. Have you donated this year? Whatever. Just do something to get people to want to come back and want to participate and have ownership in the program. I don't think we'll do it. I'm hopeful we will, but this is your opportunity. In my view, it's the equivalent of getting people to show up to your merchandise real, you know, real, uh, a retail store in a brick and mortar, getting them to park in the, in the parking lot, and then you walk out the glass front door and just wave at them. Hey, thanks for coming. Don't buy anything. Please, we don't want to inconvenience you all. Just just get back in your vehicle and get the hell out of here. But thanks for coming. Appreciate you very much. That's the way I look at it. I mean, why, why do those folks have great times at those games? Because of the people. Why is tomorrow going to be a great environment outside of the stadium? It's because of us. We know how to tailgate. We know how to throw a party. How do you translate that into the stadium? See that? I'm behaving. How do you get it in the stadium? How do you get that passion into the stadium? Look, we are in the business of cultivating fans right now. Whether you like it or not, I don't care if we were in the top 25 last year or the year before. We are in the business of cultivating new fans because somehow or another, some things were lost in translation. It did not happen. We did not get the full boat of fans into Cajun Field after the success on the field. So, it's homecoming. It's 2022. You got one of us as the head coach. I don't care what the record is. It's two and two. I understand that we've lost some bad games. A lot of this stuff is tertiary. Where do you go, Jerry? Where do you go to get those people on the fringes to just get in the gates? I'm not worried about you coming to the football game right now. How do I get those people to come and cook their gumbo inside of the gates, tailgate, on the outside of the stadium? 
Because I can get you in the if, if I can get you inside of the gates of Cajun Field, maybe I can start to get you in the stadium. We got to get back to the business of getting people to our area and then convincing them to go watch the football stadium, uh, the football game inside of the stadium. So what do we do to fix that? Well, I think, first of all, it's about perception. I mean, when you drive down River Ranch on a Thursday, whether it's in the fall or the spring, and you see tons of people crossing Camellia to go to River Ranch for Rhythms on the River, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm driving by and I'm not familiar with the area and I see what's going on, my first thing is, man, what's, what's happening over there? What, what's the big deal or what's the big, what's the big you know, uh, a party happening in River Ranch? And so you go to, that's Rhythms on the River in a nutshell. That's how it started. It started out as a small block party 15, 20 years ago. And before you know it, it just grew into this big thing because people wanted to be included. Same thing with Festival International. Same thing with Festival, any festival in town. You know, a lot of times you don't have to pay much. You go in, you get good food, you listen to good music. But you, it's, it's the people that make it great. If you could create an environment like that, perception-wise, if you have a lot of camaraderie outside of Cajun Field, even across the street. If you have a, there's some mornings I'll drive and go get some food for lunch before we go tailgate. I'll, I'll pass by Bertrand. I'll see tons of Cajun fans crossing the street with their ice chest going into Cajun Field. If I'm somebody that's not a Cajuns fan, I have not, had nothing else to do and I see that, I'm going to be curious. So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to be looking inside the stadium going, okay, what's going on? Or inside of Cajun Field gates and what's going on. If I see a ton of people tailgating and I have nothing else to do, I might tell, ask the wife, hey, let's go check out the Cajuns game. I saw tons of people tailgating, lots of people wearing red. Looks like a good, looks like a good time. The weather's perfect. Four o'clock kickoff. We don't get out the stadium too late. Let's see what it's all about. But you have to, get, you have to give the bystanders something or a reason to say, I want to be included in that. And, and right now, I, I don't know if it's enough. I, I think there has to be... We talk about this all the time, Josh. Energy. You know, optics. Optics. The optics and matter. Energy. Yeah, and, 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 and Coach Hud said that about what he brought to the fan base was energy. But that also got the fans excited and wanted to be, get involved. What can I do to get involved? That needs to be something we need, we need to be pushing. But to your point, optics. I mean, that, that, is, that is key. Because in Lafayette... Let's be honest, it's about optics. Again, I will say, I've said it three, four, five times. The ice skaters were a double A minor league hockey team. Nobody went to watch hockey. People went for the experience. And that's why they, they had three, four, five years selling out of Cajun Dome because they had made it an event where one, you couldn't get into, right? So it was exclusive. And two, it was fun. The atmosphere was fun. We could lose by. 10 goals, but you were still having fun in the game doing all these things. When the the attendance started dropping is when it became about, oh, we have a really good hockey team, but the atmosphere sucks because there's nothing going on in between. That's when you started getting 3,000 people versus 12,000 people. And so that's a masterclass in marketing and how to handle these things. So we got to make it, one, an exclusive event to get into, and two, we have to make it fun. And it seems like we keep beating the dead horse because it. we need someone to step up and say, okay, how can we do this and what can we do to make it fun? When somebody does that, they'll have the opportunity to have a lot of success there. And I think making, making the stadium smaller will help with the exclusivity part of it. But I think you still have a lot of issues with making it a fun event aside from football. Why do people fill up Lampson Park in the Teague in, in the springtime? Why do people go to those games? And there's a ton of games to choose from, With the, besides the fact that we win. 
But besides that, why do people still fill up the stadiums? Because there's an atmosphere, and 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 you feel like you're included in that atmosphere when well, you do the. Let me let me say this: there's an expectation to win. There's an expectation to win at Lampson and the Teague. We have been nationally relevant for 25 years. So I would, I would argue that we have cultivated a group of people that expect excellence. I don't necessarily think you have to do that in football. I think in football you have to guarantee an experience and then win and then you get the crowds. I think in the diamond sports, it's a little bit different because excellence is the only reason why people even care about those sports. But, but with that said, if you look at baseball, it had been six years before this last spring we'd been to a regional, and yet the atmosphere was still outstanding. And again, it goes, I, stay, I stand by what I said about my original statement of why is the atmosphere so great. Yes, absolutely, Josh, I agree. Those are winning programs. The, we have the expectation to win. But even after the six-year slip, where we weren't going to regionals, we're still packing the Teague on, on, on a Tuesday night. Why? Because it's atmosphere. And I think when you talk about the atmosphere, those games, the fans cheer, they clap to things, they, they chant, you know, ball four, and they sing to center field, they sing all the different songs, they do, they do the Cupid shuffle, or they do the haters dance. It, it, all of these different things keep... They, they, it gets the fan involved and feels like they're a part of it. They're a part of that atmosphere. Their, their, their noise, their excitement makes it a big, makes it feel different. I remember when LSU came to town in 2018 when we pulled that double squeeze. Wendy Whenever, with the knockoff hit. Wendy with the knockoff hit. And we really didn't get much on offense until like the bottom of the eighth inning. That's when that magic happened. And Danny LaHare gets on base. I think he was the first batter of the inning. Gets on base, gets the crowd fired up. I think we get another. I think the next batter walks, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Gavin Bourgeois maybe walked or got on base, and the crowd. You could feel that energy in that crowd, the excitement in the crowd, and you could tell. You know, Danny's getting the crowd going, and it really rattled LSU. I mean, look, we pulled a double squeeze on him on the very next pitch, but that was the crowd that got involved, and you felt like like I remember st- uh, sitting next to my or standing next to my wife, going, "Man, this I can feel that momentum turning." Why is that? Obviously, it was because we made some good plays on the diamond, but it was also because of the fans. I think the fans had just as much to do with that, just like when we host regionals, when it's hard for teams to come beat us in regionals now, and especially in baseball and in softball, that crowd gets behind it, but you feel like you're a part of it. And that's where I think if you could create that type of atmosphere and cultivate that atmosphere in Cajun Field, it can be a very dangerous place to play. Look, Boise State has a very similar size stadium in this Cajun Field. That energy in that place is is second to none, and I would put that stadium against even the big biggest of the biggest places in the P5 because they've cultivated that and they've they've created that atmosphere. And you want to turn it into a place where people want to be a part of it, and I, I think we can do that. So I'm just going to go back to what you said, Jerry, about it being a a fun place to play, you, and 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 about us winning. Let's go back to Coach Bo, right? Coach Bo had gotten us to the regionals he I mean for we really should have probably made it to a world series before Roe got came on board but there were still 300 people in the stands right so it wasn't about winning again it wasn't about wins and losses it was about the atmosphere that we created in the stadium to make people want to go and have a good time aside from baseball winning baseball was just like an extra that made it extra fun and that made people who were competitive like you and me 
want to go to the games, right? We don't go necessarily for the atmosphere. We go to watch the games. But there are a lot of people that are casual fans that you build into the one of wins by getting it into this stadium and having a good time. I can't tell. Look, Bayou Bullfrogs was the worst product of baseball I've ever seen in my life. And people showed up. But not only that, Josh, people started going to Cajuns games because they had fun at the Bullfrogs games, even though it was terrible baseball. And guess what? They're still there as season ticket holders. I can name like three or four couples that are still there as season ticket holders because they in, they started out just enjoying the atmosphere. And then they're like, oh, damn, this is a lot of fun watching the game. So it we can go back to wins and losses. We were top 25 and we didn't have the 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 attendance that we did during HUD's losing years. It's about, again, creating the atmosphere and the want for people to be there. Everything else will fall into place, but we got to make people want to be inside of the stadium. It's the best point that nobody's talking about. Watch 24,000 people show up tomorrow. Now, look, I understand the weather is great. I understand that it's homecoming, but it goes to show you that there are other reasons why people show up to football games if you can make it the i made this point on the board third place all right the third place it's not work and it's not home where do you spend the majority of your time outside of those two things it should be cajun field it should be the complex in some capacity it should be the teague it should be uh lampson it should be somewhere in that if you don't go to basketball look i'm not gonna fuss at you for that that's a totally different thing but the point is, is that if you're watch, if, if your third place is watching Cajun sports in, in any kind, I get it. it. It's a great, it's a great gathering area. It's a great opportunity to meet people. It's a great opportunity to just hang out, have a beer, spend three or four hours after work. It's great. Homecoming is going to prove that that can be done regardless of wins or losses. Okay, I don't necessarily believe that that should be the model that we try to go after new fans with. No, of course I don't believe that. I think that we should cultivate sports fans because sports fans will continue to come back. They're going to come back for the seasons where you're not performing. Those people care about wins and losses. They care about competing. That's a different deal. I'm just go- it, Everything that's going to happen this weekend goes to show you that you can market to others as well. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Go ahead, Nick. Perfect example. Perfect example. When I drove by the Cajun Dome, which I hadn't been in, in, in front of in a while, there is a restaurant built into the Cajun Dome now. Do you think they just built that restaurant just to have a restaurant at the Cajun Dome? Don't get me started on that. I have been hollering for two years. If that place exists, why do you not utilize it? It doesn't matter if it's basketball season. Thank you. If you are tailgating, the place should be open. It takes two people to run it. How, how many people does it take to serve beer? Why, why did you spend money to renovate that area of, Cajun, of the Cajun Dome and then also open it up to tailgating if you're not going to monetize it? They're not monetizing it. This is indicative of how UL runs their business. Why is that not being used during tailgating? It's ridiculous. But that's what I was getting to, Josh, is that you have the perfect opportunity there to bring people when nothing's going on at the Cajun Dome to the Cajun Dome. Like you said, monetize it. It might not be a huge revenue maker. Break even. Just break even. If you break even, then guess what? Some of those people that are going there on their afternoon drive home to to catch a drink or something to eat, if there's a basketball game, they might decide, hey, maybe there's a a special free ticket with a beer. Okay, I'll go in and, oh, this is fun. Well, right now it's not, but maybe, you know, in a couple years it might be fun. But the same thing, I mean, I think there were talks at some point uh, in the the baseball stadium. I know Rogue told me, hey, we might do a a new uh, stadium club and we might have a restaurant open. And it will be open all the time and people can go and eat there and get into the game if they want to. 
I mean, he's think he was thinking outside the box at the time too. Let's make it not just about the product on the field, but make it again somewhere you go. And then, oh, by the way, this is also happening. This might be fun to participate in. The law of sales, the law, the law of large numbers. If you get a hundred people, we'll say, we'll say you get a thousand people to walk into the Cajun table. I don't even know what the hell it's called. Table room, whatever the hell it's called. The table room. It's ridiculous. I live steps away from the place. And I don't even know what the hell it's called. It's called, I think it's called the table room. If you have a thousand people walk through the table room during, uh, I don't know, ju just tailgating. If you get a hundred of those people to go buy a ticket, that's $2,500. That's $2,500 of revenue and you make a few new fans. Why is the table room not being utilized during tailgating? Jerry, you got a thought? I, I think of other places close by, whether it's in New Orleans, even Baton Rouge, that have restaurants and, and, and food areas close to those stadiums that aren't, that aren't even associated with the university, and they make a killing. There's a ton of people that go eat there. There's a lot of people that go party there. There's just people that just stand around there because there's a certain atmosphere, a certain environment over there where they just want somewhere to wait before the game starts. And sure enough, it's it's become a new spot, a new happening spot for people to meet at before the game. Hey, I'm tailgating here. Well, come meet me at this restaurant or come meet me at that restaurant. We'll be partying over there a little bit, getting some drink specials. And a lot of times they do have drink specials. But, you know, it, that, that's to your point, that could be something that could be a, a, a place where we could utilize that. Hey, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be tailgating by Cajun Field. We're at the table room getting a few drinks before the game. Come meet us, you know, and, and you could create your own environment there. And yet I, I'm... You know, it's a good point. And why don't we use it? I don't know. My guess is, you know, probably can't find the workers or for some reason can't do it. I don't know. I you know how that goes. So I um, I think we beat this dead horse enough. <laughs> I think we solved all the world's problems in this conversation. I am I am interested and in just dying to talk about fan reactions over the last week, um, Josh. Uh, and and. First, I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about, about everything that's transpired in the last week? I am so glad that you transitioned to that. Uh, first of all, our motto here is that we're not going to tell you how to be a fan. I've been saying that for years. I, I think that the old guard has tried to tell our community how to be fans for so long, it's turned off the most passionate segment of the people that would have become Cajun fans. And I think a lot of those people go east. I really believe that. As far as Cajun fans' uh, reactions to what we thought might have been a successful season, I'm just as disappointed as everybody else. Everybody in this room is. Even Big Cat. He's upset. He wanted to win some games too. Everybody's upset. It's okay to be upset. It's part of being a fan. It's part of the experience. But you can't start bailing on the coach who hasn't coached five games. And I'm never going to accept that. Look, there's a lot of things to say, hey, you know, if Napier were here with this talent, we'd be 4-0. First of all, I don't believe that at all. Have you looked at the offensive line? Have you looked at the attrition? Have you looked at the injuries? Completely different deal. We've totally replaced a quarterback. We have a completely different style quarterback at, at, at the position. The defense has – I've said this, and I, I think that uh, I have an – if we go further into this, I have an explanation from somebody who would know. The offensive line – and the linebackers in pass coverage have been a big have been our biggest weakness to date. Okay? And we can get into that more when we start talking real football. But there's a lot of things going on inside of the the actual game 
not necessarily on the sidelines of the coaches not knowing what they're doing or a talent gap. There's so many things happening right now in real time that these guys are having to adjust to. I'm not bailing on anybody. It's been game four. We, 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 no, we, this is four games. You know, I, if you're going to give Napier in 2018 an opportunity to succeed, succeed you got to give Mike Desermo the opportunity to succeed in 2022. He deserves the same amount of of rope, if you want to call it that. I don't even know what to say. But but as far as the fan reaction, some of it is is justified. Some of it is borderline. And some of it is it's just ridiculous. To, to be completely honest, um, I don't really know where to go from we expected 10 wins and 8 wins. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty in saying that I looked at the roster and I said, hey, I think 8 to 10 wins is legitimate because of what we've been expected and, and, and we've, we've, we've been conditioned to win this way. I would hope our players think that they can win 10 games, even with the talent gap that we have and, and the players that we've lost. But the fact of the matter is, we lost NFL guys. We lost All-Americans. We lost SEC guys. We lost coaches. We lost commitments. We lost people waiting, sitting in the wings. We lost a lot. It's easy to sit here and say that now. I understand that, especially after we've lost some games. However, the reality is what it is. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, the reality is that we, I think all of us, I'm assuming all of us, thought at the beginning of the season you know, we're going to lose some players, but we'll still be good. And we're still, still going to get it done. And we'll still win 10 games. And yeah, we lost our entire coaching staff, but we'll be fine. Very optimistic. And it's what fans do. We want to win. We expect to win. You said you expect players to want to win 10 wins. Hell, I expect them to want to win 12 a year. Like, I, that's, to me, the expectation that should be set. So while I, I'm disappointed by the way we lost, I'm not shocked that we've lost. I'm I'm shocked more at the way that we looked unprepared and the way that we lost and some of the decisions that were made and some of the the plays that I mean again drop passes right in your hand for a touchdown. I mean total game changers. Drop field goals, drop, drop punts, things goals, that you, you're not used to seeing. Right. So so I again, I'm disappointed in the way that we we've we've gotten to 2 and 2 and and not necessarily the fact that we're at 2 and 2. I still think that there's a lot of talent on this team, and I think that we still are going to get better as the season progresses. But I'm with you. If you want to question whether or not the right hire was made, I appreciate that because I think a lot of people question it when the announcement was made, and they're going to question it now. And you know what? If, if we win the next however many games, it's still going to be questioned at the end of the season. That's fine. But to say, oh, we got we to fire the guy three games in – Again, I'm not going to tell you how to fan. I'm just going to give you reality. He's not going to be fired this season. In fact, he's not going to be fired next season, most likely, unless there's a complete collapse. So I think we we just maybe need to take a step back for a second. And we're five, six, seven games removed from that loss to ULM. Like, I think we need to move forward. All I've seen in in on social media is is still harping on the fact that we lost to ULM. Yeah, I get it, man. But let's let's start looking ahead. I mean, we still have a game to play against a really good South Alabama team this weekend that should have beaten UCLA. So I think we need to start focusing on next week. I know maybe 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, but I'm just as disappointed as anyone else. Again, I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan, but I just think we need to we maybe just take a step back, take a breath, and and kind of like let's reset expectations for the remainder of the season. Jerry, before I go to you, I want to say this. I think context is always important. Unless you put historical perspective into context, you can't really explain it properly. 
I think that we probably have made some fans through the course of winning 13 games in a season, winning 10, 11 games in a season, being ranked, beating Iowa State. We have new po- new folks aboard, right? I think that that's fair to say. I also think that some of these fans are probably newer fans maybe to football in this area. Maybe they weren't LSU fans. Maybe they just became fans because the Cajuns were winning, and they identify themselves with the Cajuns. So when when those folks come out and say, well, who's this new coach? He's not winning. Let's get rid of him. Some of that is human nature. And I don't think it's correct, obviously, but we follow it more. It's like, you know, if you, if you don't follow the stock market and all of a sudden you have a 3% decline in a day, people freak out because they don't, they don't watch the ebb and flow of the market. It's similar to that. I want to I tread lightly, and I'm also guilty, and I'll say it. I'm guilty of saying, look, if you're trying to fire Dez, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I still think that's correct. Maybe I should come off of it. I've been aggressive, but we have we have shown to be a less than, God forbid, I say this, competent fan base for a long time. We started learning how to win when when Hood got here. I mean, Stokely won some games. Don't get me wrong, but you're not going to tell me that he cultivated a knowledgeable fan base. And in the '80s and '90s, that's when college football really came of age. Right? That's when that's when it really became like a rival to the NFL. It became the second most popular sport in America. NFL, college football, then Major League Baseball. You know what I mean? So we didn't do a great job of cultivating fans then. They cultivated us. We're kind of an anomaly. But now, when you're getting new people on board, they want to fire everybody because that's the that's the way of doing things. So I think that I think that the knowledgeable fans that have been following the program, following Dez's career, understand what it is to be the coach of the Cajuns. I think they have a little bit more perspective, and it's easier to get them to understand what's really going on. I think the new fans not necessarily need an education, but maybe some perspective. Look, y'all both knew coming back from Monroe the other night, I was in shock that we lost. I mean, I, I still think I speak on behalf of a lot of people when we say we shouldn't have lost that game. We gave the game away. It was almost a, it was basically gift-wrapped based on the way the game was going up until the fourth quarter. But what's done is done. The game's over. We lost. And, you know, the question is now is how does the team respond? How do these players respond? Look, you have a team that's not used to losing. You have underclassmen that have come in here, never experienced a losing season. I mean, actually, I want to say you've outside of maybe, I don't know if we know if you had anybody from the 2017 season still on the team. But for the most part, most of these players do not know how to lose. And so I think that's a that's a valid point to make because hopefully – they obviously have the formula to win. Can they overcome that adversity? And we're going to find out as soon as as soon as this weekend against South Alabama. Now, as far as Coach Dez and everybody talking about, you know, did we make the right hire? Look, it's one thing if you you could disagree with the hire. I mean, we could have hired the best coach around, and people would still say the hire wasn't good enough. That's fine. That's completely fine. But the reality is, is Mike Desimo is our head football coach. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's five games into his head coaching career here. I, I'm I'm more than willing to give the guy a shot. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that there's things that we can improve on. There's no doubt in my mind that we're not playing up to the level that we've been playing over the last three or four years. But it's also kind of a good thing somewhat because, you know, it's great to see we do have expectations. It's great to see that we do have fans that care enough to want to win. Um, but as far as wanting to jump off the ledge and say the season's over with and fire the coach, I, I will say that's a, that's going a little too far right now. You still got eight games to play. 
and you still got, uh, hopefully, you still have a chance to make the postseason, whether it's the championship or the bowl game. You still you still have a shot. But uh, as far as what people, yeah, as far as the idea to to want to to want to make a coaching change or look, the reality is is our expectations are higher. Uh, we do have, um, you know, over the last three years, it's the well, really in nineteen, it was the first year we've had a double digit win season. We did it three three years in a row, two top twenty five seasons. I mean, you won a championship, a conference championship. You're you're three for three in bowl games over the last four years. Yeah, that's a lot of success in a short amount of time for a program that doesn't know that never really knew how to consistently win. So because of that, obviously when you're two and two, you lose back to back games to Rice and ULM, there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of people that are going to be very upset. But again, you look at the big picture of the last three or four years, this is a roster who knows how to win. But also too, I do want to make a point, Nick, before I before before you go, I want to say this. You look at the team last year, all right? You look at the, the guys, like you said, that are now in the portal or left to go. They win the portal and they left. They're playing for other teams. You know, Monty Bailey, Osiris Torrens, Cameron Waits, Montrell Johnson, playing for P5 schools, Kyron Lacey, Makai Gardner, both starting at LSU. Those are guys on your roster this year. They're playing for you this year. They're gone. Then you look at Max Mitchell, starting for the New York Jets. You look at Percy Butler. He got drafted by the Washington Commanders. Levi Lewis is gone. He's in the CFL. All of these different guys are all gone. And in spite of all those guys leaving, in spite of all those guys leaving, you look at the scores from last year. Nickel State, a three-point a three point win. South Alabama, a two-point win. A two-and-ten Arkansas State team. We only won by one point. And that's with all the talent that I mentioned that's now gone. So take that, look at the roster we have now, and, you know, I'm not saying it's justified for the way we lost these two games, but it makes sense of why we're struggling more. If I could, it's not necessarily a justification. It's a reason. There's a difference between a justification, there's a difference between an excuse, a justification, and a reason. When you lose that amount of talent, especially when they move up, there, there is really no other explanation. You you got gutted. He gutted us. I know that we've done the whole Billy Napier thing, and I know there are certain sides that people take. I stay on the side that I took in the in the very beginning. He took people that we never expected. They inaccurate, or not inaccurately, they illegally recruited some of our guys. And Jerry's looking at me like, don't say that, don't say that. They they This should have never happened what happened. And, and we lost guy. Max Mitchell was a junior. Percy Butler was a junior. The juniors. If they're, those are seniors on a football team that come back. Imani Bailey was a junior. Uh, I think he was a redshirt sophomore, actually. He goes, to, he goes to, 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 to TCU. He was a legitimate. He's probably the best running back in the Sunbelt Conference this year. Maybe outside of Ali. Maybe. But, but you have legitimate talent that is moving on. And you replace an entire coaching staff? I mean, that, that's a lot. You... you if you stop and think about it in retrospect, we had high expectations because we were, I mean, we were conditioned to have high expectations, right? But we thought we had the talent still here to win the West. And now we're going to be fighting for our lives. Fighting for our lives this week because if we lose two division games, then we're in, in big, big trouble. But I just want to kind of not be a sunshine pumper. I'm not trying to polish a turd, but I am actually excited to see people get so passionate regardless if I agree with their view or not because that is what we have been missing in football for so doggone long can I make a quick point yeah when you lose like this when you lose unexpected games and the rats jump off the ship 
you find out who's who's on board. You find out who's the fans. You find out who's passionate about the program. You find out who's willing to stick and stay and fight with you. Who's going to put their sword up instead of walk away? You know, kind of like Robe said, you know, when it's time to stand up, who's going to stand up? That's where we're at right now. And to your point, Nick, like this is the time. If you're going to do it, if you're going to stick with us, you're going to be part of the hardcore base. Today, today, Saturday, whatever, this is when you're going to find out who it is. Yeah, and and we were talking about perspective earlier. Let's let's talk perspective. Let's go back to the Stokely years. Jake DeLome goes out, beats top 25 Texas A&M at home, and then we do nothing the rest of the season. I think we lost to Southern Miss. We lost like eight games that season. And and it was just like, oh, but but we beat Texas A&M. Yay, go team. Like I'm I'm I am happy that we are starting to have a fan base that has expectations and that gets pissed off when we don't live up to them because that just tells me we're finally starting to get we're starting to go from our middle school years to maybe our high school years. We're still not in college years, but we're starting to grow up a little bit. And I'm even though again, I think some of these are wild and the rats jumping chip. I, I'm still happy to see the passion. That's something we've been sorely lacking for years. I think Jerry would call that the standard being raised. High tide raises all boats. Am I, am I right on that? Absolutely. And to your point about, you know, the Jake years in 96, we, we beat A&M. The next week we get blown away by Southern Miss. And then I think we finished that year five and six with losses to UAB and uh, who else? We lost. I mean, I mean, it was a tough schedule, but they, we, we should have gone at least seven and four that year. And, but back then, you know, for, for almost a decade or however long, you know, it was, well, we did beat A&M that year, but you still had a losing season. And so, I, you know, the, again, it, it goes back, like you said, the standard, the standard's been raised, the bar's been raised, and now it's time to maintain that. You know, you don't want to turn three years of massive success into the good old days that quickly. You want to build on it. You want to grow on it. Look, when Mike Desimo was hired, what did he say in his opening press conference? I want to build on this. I want to grow on what we've been able to accomplish. So the goals are there inside of that athletic performance center. The goals are there within the football program. So it's not like they want to go back to those days. It's just, you're like you said, look, the reality is, and and I know we, <laughs> I know Rage Review and the Florida fan base got a very intriguing relationship during that time. But look, when Billy Napier went to that bowl game with Florida and UCF, and he originally said, "I'm going to take a few and I'm going to reevaluate what I need to take." When you say I'm going to reevaluate, that I, none of us expected him to take more than twenty of our staff members, which he did. But when you watch that game, that. but when you watch Don't that game. When you watch the game with Florida and UCF and you see UCF basically spank Florida in, the, Florida in the bowl game, it changed his mind. But at the end of the day, and I know a lot of Florida fans will get mad at me for saying this, but it's easy to be on that side because you're benefiting from it because we're the ones that got the coaching staff gutted. And so now, really, the reality is, is our coaching staff, we have a very brand new coaching staff. Yes, we got some familiar names, but it's not just the coaching staff, it's the support staff. It's the strength and conditioning coaches. It's the nutritional staff. It's the videographers. They all went to Florida. The infrastructure has totally changed. The entire basis of the support staff, they're all brand new. And I look, for the most part, I think they've done a pretty good job to get adjusted. But again, Rome wasn't built in a day. But Jerry, at they the same still time, have to get their feet wet. At the same time, how do you even gauge what's a good job? I mean, this is unprecedented for our, for our program. You have all of these very qualified guys that went on to 
I mean, essentially beat the number seven team in the country in the opening game. These people were here. Uh, You go ahead and watch the Tennessee game. That's a rivalry game. And you see Jaluk and you see Coach Doak and you see see all of our guys. You you see Dunbar. You see hockey. You see freaking – you see all of the guys that we saw – what you know, roaming the sidelines for us, and they're over there competing in one of the biggest rivalries in college football. It's tough. That's tough to recover from. I don't care who you are. So if you're gonna make the the, I, I don't know. I mean, like it's it's you cannot start calling for the staff a month into the season when literally everybody walked out the door. I mean, that's that's how I see it. Nick, you got something? I mean, my question is, do we even have a full staff yet? I mean, I get that we have all the, the position coaches and, and that, but but you go look at a a roster of coaches and support staff from a year ago to today, and it's like a skeleton crew. So are we even at the point where we, I mean, we're, we lost our director of media, I mean, or, or whatever they call communications director. We lost our, um, I mean, who else did we lose? We, Nico left. So our entire athletic department and football team is like a skeleton crew. And, and so, yeah, I think, I, th- I just think for me personally, as, as a fan, for me, reality has set in. And I think reality is we are what we are until we're not until we either have, have figured out as a coaching staff and as a support staff, what we're going to do with these guys in place today or we reassess and we add staff next year. But today, what we are is what we are. And and I think we just need to, again, reset our expectations for what we're doing with what we have. And my hope is we figure it out in the next game, but we still we still have a long way to go this season, and, and we just have to realize where we are as a program right now, today. They took the touchdown baton to Gainesville. They even took the touchdown baton. Let me add on that they took the creative team. And not only did they take the creative team, they started plagiarizing what the creative team was using here. And when I brought it up on Twitter, I got absolutely murdered by the state of Florida. And now they look back on all the stuff that that Doug and that creative team has, has, has put out, and it's exactly the same. I mean, the culture videos are the same. They just changed the logo. The, 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 the photos look almost exactly the same. The, the art looks exactly the same. It, it is, it's a strange existence to be associated with that level of plagiarism, I guess is what you call it. But look, it's, it's an SEC power. It's Florida. Who cares about little old Louisiana? Okay, who cares about them? But we remember. We were here when it all started. That's why it matters to us. And when I see it on ESPN and I see it on their social media stuff, I it, it I, it's cringeworthy because it's so it's it's so blatantly obvious that all they did was take the blueprint from Louisiana that Napier started, that Ryan Benoit started in the creative staff, that hockey started with his strength and conditioning, the whole uh, uh like the preseason and fall and 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 strength building and everything, their entire regimen, everything, all of the support staff. They did the same thing, and they took the blueprint to Florida, and they don't even talk about how, you know, Louisiana's, I mean, hey, it's where it all started. I mean, the other thing is that our promotional staff should grab that and use it to our benefit and say, this is where they started. Come here. Come come learn about it here. Come, come do the same thing. Come experience everything. Go ahead, Nick. One of the most infuriating things I saw was that some talking head posted on, on Twitter 
pictures of our players in the NFL, Elijah, Robert Hunt. And you know what the caption said? Look at all these, look at all these Billy Napier players in the NFL. Where really Billy Napier. So that tells you who recruited Robert Hunt, but nobody cares who recruited Robert Hunt. That's just it. When you're saying little old Louisiana, who, who cares that exactly Mark Hudspeth recruited Robert Hunt, not Billy Napier. But, Remember that. Right. But it doesn't matter because perception is sometimes reality. And these are Billy. Look at all these Billy Napier players we have in the NFL. No mention of us. It goes to show you how the stardom of a coach, regardless of it's, if it's uh, uh, justified or not, it goes to show you that the stardom of a coach will take over the media cycle and Louisiana becomes Napier University. And that's sick. In the reality, I'll, look, I'll always be glad or always be thankful that Coach Napier and what he did with this program. But, Jerry loves Billy. It doesn't matter but, what you say. Look, man, he put us in the top 25. He got us ranked higher than LSU for two years in a row. I mean, the man gets the man is going to get my credit for that. But, but it doesn't take away the fact that the foundation and the blueprint is still here. And it still should be here. And I know Coach Dez and his staff are trying to implement that blueprint. It's like when Billy tried to implement the blueprint of Nick Saban in year one and we went seven and seven. So that's why I'm willing to give Coach Dez time. I mean, time is the essence here. I Obviously, you want to win quicker. But when you really see what we lost and you look at the players that we lost and you look at the new starters that are still trying to get their feet wet into their per- – particular positions and their particular their craft on the field I understand it now with everything we've said I still looking back at last week you don't give the game away to Monroe you just you just don't you don't give the game away to Monroe but maybe that can be a learning experience maybe that's part of growing pains maybe that's part because I know we were sold we were sold on everything's going to continue but then you look at over 20 staff members are gone you lost 17 players who a lot of which started you lost guys I mean you just lost a lot and it's just I think I think Nick you have a good point and that's kind of where I'm at I think reality's kicked in in the fact that yes we've won a lot and yes there's high expectations but man we got a man I tell you what we we got a lot to grow on we got a lot to grow on I'm gonna give you a bigger butt Jerry yeah Napier Napier got us to where we are but you know what but he also potentially could maybe have destroyed our program Okay, so, oh, wonderful for all the great things that he did, but he lied to our administration. He probably allegedly recruited some of our players. He took every, basically every resource that we gave him, he took to Florida. So that's a pretty big butt to me. And I think it's a butt that everybody should keep in mind is that when you're cheering on your little coach in Florida as as a UL fan going, oh, Billy, and cheering you on. Remember where we are today because of him, but also remember where we are today because of him. Agreed 1,000%. I said as much when he left, and a lot of those people that want to go ahead and be Florida fans, just remember, he put us in, he put us in dire straits. Honestly, there's, I, we told you all this. We had, a, we had an episode on it, and I was upset, if, if you all remember. He made... Some comments to people in the building, and then he he basically did a 180, and he came back and took people. He took coaches, support staff, players, everything, and even down to the creative staff who was they were waiting on a ticket out of town. I won't say any names. I won't say any names, but they were waiting on tickets. And guess what? He came back and got them. 
touchdown baton. The, the, he, they, they took the touchdown baton. Took the touchdown baton. It's, it, look, it, it's not good. It's, it's not good. I don't want to go back on that because I kind of made my peace with it and I said I wouldn't comment it on it further. I wish Billy the best. There is a certain part of me that is proud of him when he wins because he was one of us for a while. At the same time, I will never forget what he's done to the program post Billy Napier era. And everybody that wants to holler and scream about Dez and and Tim and and Lamar and Coach Munoz, everybody that wants to holler about this coaching staff, remember this. They're picking up the pieces, and they had to do it on the fly. And then they had to go rebuild the support staff. And then they had to go rebuild the recruiting class that basically said, hey, it's not the same staff. We're going somewhere else. Remember, there were so many people, there were so many players that were committed to this staff that ended up in either Florida or they moved off, off their uh, their recruitment. That they, they, stu- they quit on us because the staff changed over. And not just because two or three people left. In mass, they moved off to Florida. All right? So that's something we always have to remember. A couple of things I want to say before we move on to what's going to constitute a successful homecoming in Lafayette. Nick, I see that you have uh, a conversation that you'd like to have, so please go ahead. Well, what's going what's gonna to be a successful homecoming? I mean, for me, one, the fans showing up, which, again, I think is going to happen. I think, I think they'll be out there. There's a buzz around, which I haven't heard in a while. Um Again, the weather is on our side this week, so no excuses if you don't make it out to the stadium. I mean, hell, I drove three and a half hours to be here. I mean, not that I didn't be here to be with you guys because I love you all, but you know what I'm saying. Like, people are going to be there. I think we're going to have a good crowd. To me, what's going to be successful is that we, we have a good game. We don't make silly mistakes. We don't shoot ourselves in the foot and we don't give any excuses for people not to want to come back. And that's not just about the play on the field. That's don't tell me somebody has got to wait three hours for a bag of popcorn or, and not even get it. Don't tell me that, that they're going to run out of a bottled water in, you know, midway through the second quarter. Don't give people excuses not to come back. This is our opportunity to, to fix some of the wrongs that we had the first couple of home games. Don't drop the ball. The, the point of the, the key to winning this week as a whole, and I'm talking both in the stadium, outside the stadium, in the community, is win the event, right? Win the, the event. Win the, exactly. You, you, say, you basically finished my sentence. Win the event. Make sure that you bring the energy to the parade. Make sure you bring the energy to the stadium. Whatever alumni event you have, I know they've got the Hall of Fame thing tonight. Create an event out of that. Win every event, bring bring that energy and that, and that Cajun culture to all of that. Make people feel welcome. If you have somebody in the stadium that's never been to a tailgate, invite them to the tailgate, invite them to, to your tent to get some food. I mean, we always do that, but, but make that extra effort. The Cajun walk, show up to the Cajun walk, high five those players, show them that in spite of these two weeks of adversity that you still support them. And to the staff working the games, Make sure they don't wait in three hours for popcorn and, and, and two quarters for a, a hot bottle of water. Serve the fans. They're your customers. They're the paying customers. I mean, it's that simple. And don't get mad that, well, oh my gosh, the fans complained about concessions. Well, they're part of their experience of going to the game, especially when you have kids, is they want popcorn. They want hot dogs. They want this. They want that. Make sure the service is 100%. Uh, we'll talk about the game itself in a second. But, you know, I, I, I just want to say one more thing before we get off this topic is, look, in spite of everything we talked about, about starting pretty much starting from scratch. And I still know, I know we still have a foundation that was left from these last three or four seasons, but I'm, you know, as disappointed as I was or disappointed as I am over these last two weeks, like most people here, I I think I'm, I'm willing 
to give Coach Dez at least a year or two to see what happens. Now, I'll say this. The way some fans are reacting right now, if in two years we go four and eight in consecutive seasons or three and nine, then yes, you know what? You have every right to be disappointed and every right to say, you know what? We might need to make a change. I'm, on the other hand, I'm willing to give it time. I remember when, when, when Napier came in, lost to Coastal Carolina, third game of his, of his career here, and I said, you know, look, he's, he's got a depleted team. I think it's the opposite. Look, back then we had a great offense, but we had a depleted defense. Well, this year it's the opposite. We have a great defense, but we have a depleted offense. I'm willing to give it some time. And really, I think tomorrow is going to be a really good indicator to see where we go. I know people are very, very cautious and very concerned about the South Alabama team, but we're going to find out what kind of adversity this team has. We're going to find out what kind of character this team has and how they respond tomorrow. And that's one thing I'm really, really interested in seeing. So with that said, let's talk about the game, guys. South Alabama Jaguars coming to town. What you got, Nick? Well, I think first of all, like you said, Nick, Jerry, I think that I think that really the thing is that as a football fan, you got to look at the team as a whole, right? This is a great opportunity. This is a this is actually a very compelling football game, regardless of who the names on the helmets are. This is a very compelling football game. You have a perennial winner in the league over the last five years going up against South Alabama, who has been building to this point. They're traveling to your city. For homecoming, after a, a couple of really nice performances on the road, can you handle them? Can you handle them? Is your culture strong enough to come out and find a way to win? I personally find that is a very compelling, very interesting football game, regardless of who's playing the game. Before we move into the game, I got to say this. Tonight, we're introducing some folks into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jay has let me know that the program itself will start at 7, and if you can't make it, Facebook Live will have it. Uh, I don't know who's going to be doing it on Facebook Live, but it will be streaming for those who can't be in attendance. There are three posthumous inductions, and that's Coach Falkenberry, Lisa Merritt, uh, excuse me, Lisa Merritt, and Lynn Williams, Big Lynn. They'll be first on the docket. Jim Doyle and Bonnie Falkenberry will be representing Coach, followed by Lisa Merritt's daughter, Keisha, and Lynn's brother, Lyle. We all know Lyle, good friend of the pod. All right. The other inductees, of course, Jace Conrad. Pee Wee Green, Ladarius Green, Mike Heinen, and Christy Ogeron will follow in that alphabetical order. And every listen, this is one of the most recognizable, because of the time that they played in, one of the most recognizable classes we've had. Each representative will participate in a Q&A for about five to seven minutes, which is cool. You get to ask them some cool questions from back in the day. Now they're a little bit older. You know, they have some perspective on things. And they're all still very big parts of the program. Uh, this is the first time the format will be used. Uh, they call it the Phil Devi rule. That's what Jay, Jay said because Phil Devi kind of took over one of those those uh, those inductions and was really cool. Um, Jay's got a chance to visit with all the people before. They're gonna have a nice time. I think they're all prepped and ready to go. I'll be there. Uh, I don't know if Nick's gonna be able to be there. Hopefully, Jerry will be. If Razor Review can be in the house, we'll we'll try our best to ask some questions. Maybe we can move our way into there, get our nose in. Uh, but I think it's very important to, interest, to introduce you guys to that idea. If you can make it, please do. I'm sure that they would really appreciate uh, the attendance being up. I can tell you last year we went to the Hall of Fame induction, and it was really a nice time. Uh, a good class last year, but this this class is a, a lot of folks that we all recognize. Anyway, I asked the question of what would be a successful homecoming. Obviously, a W on homecoming is something we all want. 
Sure, we want everybody to have a nice time and go out and the weather's going to be great and the tailgating is going to be great and it's going to be fun. But can we get a W? That, that is a very big, important question. South Alabama, in my view, is the best defensive team in the Sun Belt Conference. I said two weeks ago that they were the best form tackling, one-on-one in-space tackling team that I had seen in the league in a very long time. They continue to show that. I think they got the quarterback position right. I think that they have all of the tools to go ahead and win the West. I was never bullish on Troy. Although I think Gunnar Watson is better this year, I still think Troy is a step behind South Alabama. If the Cajuns can find a formula to go out on the field and beat South Alabama this weekend, regardless of homecoming and being at home and any of that, I think it bodes well for our chances to win the West. Do you guys have a similar idea? And if you don't, please tell me why. So I I agree with you. I think, again, look, we had a game last week that we should have won. We should have put away in the second quarter. And it shouldn't have even been close. Had we scored that that go-ahead, that not go-ahead, but if we went up by 17 in the second quarter, we would have probably blown them out. But then mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. You do that this week against uh, a South Alabama team that is rolling, it's going to get ugly quick. But I think if we, look, I think I think we've all come to the realization that maybe we're going to have to scheme our way into things, that just trying to bully on offense or defense isn't going to work. So we may have to be a little more finesse than I think we all thought we would at the beginning of the season. It, it'll be very telling this week on, on what adjustments our coaching staff has made for what we saw these past couple of weeks. I don't think there's a lack of talent. I just think that there is different talent that that maybe have their strengths in, in different phases of the games that we didn't have in previous years. And I think we have weaknesses that we also didn't have in previous years. So it'll be very important for the coaching staff to play on those strengths, to scheme our way into things. And, and I'm with you, Josh. If we if we pull this one out this week, then I think that bodes very well for the rest of the season. If if we get if it's a close loss, I think we still ha- could maybe have some positives come out of this game. But again, we cannot make those mental mistakes that we've made these past. And I'm not even going to say these past two weeks. This entire season up to this point, we cannot do that and have any success the rest of the season. Um, but if we clean that up. Again, if we if we get coached coached up, because I think that it will take a lot of coaching up, and I think if we do a better job of working to our strengths and not try to have the same game plan we did with NFL players on the roster these last couple of years, then I think we'll have a little bit of success this weekend. I think it goes back to the basic fundamentals. I mean, don't don't commit goofy penalties. Don't don't give bad snaps on special teams. Don't drop the football. Don't. Uh, I mean, don't miss tackles. Don't miss a line on your defensive on your defensive plays. I mean, little things like that. It goes a long way. And and the problem with the Rice and ULM game is we we did too many of those things. We made too many careless mistakes. We made mistakes that just it's very it was very uncharacteristic of what we've grown of what we've grown to love about our team. And and, and that we don't we never really committed penalties that much. We never really made those type of mistakes in the past. And they just kind of they just kind of showed up out of nowhere over the last few weeks, and because of that, we we've lost two straight. I think a lot of that last week had to do with careless mistakes. I mean, you, two bad snaps, one on a field goal and one on a punt, was a ten point turnaround just by itself. 
special teams. Uh, dropping balls cost us time on the clock as well as extended drives that could have possibly turned into touchdowns or field goals or points in general. You can't do that against a South Alabama team that is hot right now. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. You do that, you get run out your stadium and homecoming. So I know our team is good enough to to not make those mistakes. If they don't, I think it'll be a lot closer game than what what people are thinking. I, I really think we can go toe-to-toe with them if we do things the right way. But I think we have to set the tone early, and I think the coaching staff needs to – I think they need to do some things tomorrow that maybe the first four weeks they didn't. In other words, as Coach Degg says, get a little uncomfortable. Take some chances. Uh, if if Chandler goes in the first two drives and scores, keep him in. Don't take him out. Little things like that, I, I, think, I think we can be in this game. I think we have a shot. But if we play like we had the last two weeks, it's, it's not going to be a game. What I think is going to be very telling, which for me was very, very telling last week, was when we're calling for a flea flicker against ULM. If we see trick plays being called against South Al, then I think I'm gonna. That's gonna be an indicator for me that we're in trouble because that was an indicator for me last week. So um, again, line up, try to figure things out. Don't try to have the same game plan you did these last couple of years, and and try something new. Obviously, what we're doing ain't working. So try something new. But I do think this is a different team at home. So we'll see what happens. I agree with that. Before we get to man about town, oh, excuse me, man, man, I tell you what, it does happen. It, it does happen. You know, it's all about me. Uh, I, I will say this. We know that Dez has already said he's going to go ahead and tweak the quarterback situation. Uh, and what that looks like, we have not, we, we don't know. We have no idea what's, what's going to look like in game. But, but I will say this. South, South looks good. They are sure tackling. They are a great form tackling team. They should have beaten UCLA. They should be 4-0. They are beyond formidable formidable opponent. These guys are coming here to win. We've beaten them in, in situations where we should have never lost the game. They've blown games to us two out of three years. They're seeing blood. They're seeing blood. We've beaten them six in a row. They're coming to town to wreck our home game, our homecoming, our, our quote-unquote you know, culmination of the season. Is there something that you all see within the stats? Is there something that you all see after a few games of watching this team play that gives you any amount of confidence that tells you when we go out to play, this is a place where we have a clear advantage? Whether It could be a confidence thing. It could be a talent issue. It could be an experience issue. Is there one thing? that stands out, that says, you know what, I got confidence that the guys are going to go out and they're going to win. Go ahead, Jerry. Well, last week against Louisiana Tech, they had 14 penalties. Um, the first week against Nichols, they had 10 penalties. Now, they only had four penalties against uh, UCLA, but they had nine against Central Michigan. They do commit penalties. And I think that's a situation where if we're disciplined and we get those free yardage, we get the free yards from that, and take advantage of that, that gives us an opportunity because guess what? Now that turns the tide. That creates momentum. And I think that's something we can take advantage of. But you can't make basic mistakes. That When they give you something, you don't give it back to them. When, 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 they, when, you, when you get a turnover, you don't botch a field goal snap. You get the three points or you get in the end zone and score. That's where I think you can take advantage. Because let me tell you, man, offensively, they're good. They moved the ball well. They got a great quarterback. They run a really similar balanced attack that what, of what we ran last year. 
and it's effective. They throw well. They run the ball well. They've got great receivers, very athletic receivers. Their defense is very similar to ours. They're physical in the front seven. Their cornerbacks and their safeties are very, very good in the open field. So we're going to have our hands tied, but I still think that we have a shot as long as we just stick with the fundamentals and the basics of what we're known to do and not make not make mistakes. The Rice game, I, you know, I talk about the Monroe game. The Rice game, we have third and one on there. We, we, well, we get an interception in their own territory, get third and one, can't get a first down, go for it on fourth down, can't get – you left 10 to 14 points off the board against Rice. We've been doing that the last two weeks where we've left points off the board. Three weeks, free points, free points off the board. And so you do that, you cannot, you, you can't do that tomorrow. Can't do it. Yeah, I still think, I still think our defense is going to keep us in the game um, through the first three quarters. What happens after that, depending on how much time they are on the field, um, could affect that. But I think our defense will keep us in the game early. I think it is going to be important for us offensively to take what they give us. If they give us five-yard passes, throw five-yard passes. If if they're gonna if they're gonna play zone defense, then then play to that. But we can't again, Jerry, like you said, we can't make these stupid boneheaded mistakes throughout the game. And I, like I said, I, I talked about coaching. Coaching. We've got to our, our coaches have to get it together this week because we saw Womack make stupid call against UCLA and, and basically lose the game because of bad coaching. I'm not going to say he's going to make any mistakes, but if there's a weakness, it might be that he has a propensity to maybe take a chance when he shouldn't, and that could cost him further down the line. So take advantage of their mistakes as a coaching staff, as a team, offense, defense. If they make a mistake, like you said, Jerry, don't give it right back to them. Capitalize on it and, and get points out of it. And um, again, take what they give us. Whatever they give you, take it. I like our coaching staff this week. I think that they fully understand the pressure that's behind what they're doing right now. I also think that South Alabama is prone to Nick's point to make a few, you know, maybe reach a little bit. They're still learning how to win as a program. That's not a shot at them. They've never achieved really anything on a national level. They're still figuring it out. Regardless, if we can't run the football, it doesn't matter. If we cannot run the football... It does not matter. To Nick's point, if you if you are going to exploit some part of the field, that five and in area, who normally occupies that area? The tight end, the drag route, the bubble route, the screen route. Where is it? Where is it? You got to you got to keep the defensive line and the linebackers honest this week. You have to because if you don't, you're going to get blown out in your own home stadium. Here's the other thing I wanted to say. I railed in the post game about our uh, cornerbacks not jamming guys at the line. I got an explanation on that. The reason why we're not trying to jam guys at the line is because we're trying to force inside leverage because our linebackers, as I've said in game review, are slow and bad in pass coverage. So they want to have the cornerbacks as nimble as possible and they want to have them behind receivers and tight ends. So that's the issue. Our linebackers have got to use their speed got to use their instincts and cover the pass game inside of the hashes. If we can't do that, we will lose. If we can't run the football, we will lose. If we can't get control of ourselves and our emotions with regard to penalties, we will lose. It's simple as that, Jerry. And I'm telling you right now, I think we have the guys to do it. 
we are a senior laden team in the secondary. We have new guys in the linebacking core, so somebody's gonna have to step up. Whether it be Moncrief, whether it be Gidry, whether I mean I know Gidry's a junior, but but some of these guys have been here three and four years. Somebody has got to step up, take control of the guys that are that have these responsibilities and make them understand. Hey yo, you gotta you gotta take care of your responsibility. You know what I think is gonna help us? The magic of the Cajun script, baby. I, I hope that's true. I, I hope it's true. Swamp magic. Man, I tell you what. So anyways, man, I tell you what. To say that I was in shock all the way home from my trip to Monroe would be an understatement. You know, it wasn't how much being, it wasn't as much being on the wrong side of the score. It wasn't so much that we even lost. It's how we got on the wrong side of the score, and it's how we lost. All of us here, including the players and coaches in that locker room, know that we were the better team than what we showed on Saturday night in Malone Stadium. That game was lost mostly because of us. And that's the most frustrating part. Now, to ULM's credit, they took full advantage and ran with it. But one can't take something that is not given. And it's safe to say that we gave it away. And because of that, we have seen a little bit of an uproar from even our most loyal fans. I guess another way of putting it would be chaos. That's the best word to describe Cajun fandom right now. From following a team with the longest win recent win streak in the country to a team that has lost its last two games to Rice and ULM, a whole load of confusion, frustration, and concern has overtaken Cajun Nation. We have fans infighting on what to say and not to say. We have fans infighting on what to think and not to think. And we have fans infighting on what to do and not to do. We have a football team facing real adversity for the first time in a while, learning how to live up to a new standard that this football program has never seen before. We have a university, though on the rise, trying to find a way to market our brand more consistently rather than advertising apparel of other schools. And then there's us here at Rage and Review, trying to gather all of the pieces of this confusing puzzle and trying to find solutions one piece at a time with discussions and open dialogue. As Josh would say in his grand return to one of our most beloved fan message boards, it seems as though we have time traveled all the way back to the year 2005. And what better time to time travel than this weekend? Because we celebrate homecoming. Homecoming is indeed a moment back in time. We all come back to reminisce about the experience we had at this university that we love. We talk about the good times when life was more laid back and carefree. We talk about the people we met along the way and the relationships that were formed because of it. We talk about the Friday nights on the strip or bar, bar hopping on Jefferson Street. We talk about the 10 minute walk between classes from FG Mouton to, to the fifth floor of Griffin Hall. We talk about the lunch times at the old campus copies. And we talk about Saturdays in the fall tailgating at Cajun Field and the memories of standing on the rail of the Red Zone student section. Now those were just a few of the memories that I had while attending UL, and I'm sure there's a lot more to go along with them. Each of us have a memory of this place that will stay with us forever. For you students currently attending now, you are creating memories in real time. So take full advantage of it because just in a short while, it will be nothing but indeed a memory. So take it in while you still can. You know, among the fan chaos, there is one thing no one can deny. 
And that's the fact that we all care. We may show it differently. We may even have different opinions and standards on how to be a Cajuns fan. But at the end of the day, we all wear the same colors of Vermeerian and white. We all clap to the same fight song. We all cheer for the same team. And with homecoming finally here, it's a reminder of why we do so. Because it's a time for us to come and say thank you. For me personally, I say thank you to the university that educated me and prepared me for the real world. Thank you to the university that allowed me to meet my wife and make some of the best friends that will last a lifetime. Thank you to the university that motivated me to stay in Lafayette and raise a family of my own. And thank you to the university that gives me pride in being a raging Cajun. Happy homecoming, Cajun Nation. See you this weekend. Cherry on point as usual. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the pod, you like the content, you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, review. Certainly appreciate it. It's homecoming. It's gorgeous outside. Come and join us for the tailgate. We're going to beat South Alabama like we always do. But more importantly, we're going to have a good time. And that's what being a Raging Cajun is all about. See you soon.